And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the Skype line with us today is Dr. E. Calvin Beisner, founder and national spokesman of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. Cal, it's an honor to have you on with us today. Well, thank you very much, Dan. It's a privilege for me to be with you. We have not talked with you for a while, and um, one of the one of the things was that uh, you you had a case of COVID for a little while. Yeah, uh, yes, we, my wife and I both got the virus. <laughs> uh, people speak it now as if that were the only one in the world, but <laughs> there are plenty of viruses. And and thank God we are among the roughly 99.97% of the people who get it and, uh, and uh, survive and recover. Uh, so, uh, you know, it was not nice while we had it, and uh, we uh, we have a little bit of uh, fatigue left over. But yeah. the Lord has been gracious. Yeah. Well, we're we're glad to have you back, and uh, what a blessing it is that uh, you survived it. And uh, you you raise an interesting point. I, we weren't going to talk about this, but the survival rate of this virus is extremely high. And to um, to require businesses to be shuttered and churches to be shut down for such a very very high survival rate uh, points to something else going on. I'm not sure I've got my arms fully around it, but something nefarious, yeah. if you will. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not sure how nefarious I would call it. Uh, although, you know, one does have to wonder about. Uh, the typical notion of so many people in government, uh, bipartisan notion, never let a crisis go to waste. Yeah. Uh, though the famous, the famous person who, who put it exactly that way was a Democrat. Plenty of Republicans think that way, too. Sure. Um, and frankly, if you're in power and you want to expand your power, you're always looking for reasons. So you know, mm, people yeah. tend to think that way. But I think there is a much deeper, a, a much more fundamental reason for what I would call the the irrational fears of this this virus. And you know, before I get into that reason, let me just quickly qualify, make sure that nobody thinks that I just think that this virus, the, the coronavirus, uh, novel coronavirus 2019 uh, with COVID-19, is you know something to be played with this right. clearly i think it's significantly more dangerous than annual influenza obviously far more dangerous than a cold correct uh and yet it's far less dangerous than some other viruses like ebola and so on um so i don't mean to downplay the seriousness of the disease but the fact is that, as I mentioned, about 99.97% of all the people who are infected with it uh, recover, and uh, the the mortality rate is not terribly high, even for elderly people. And I guess my wife and I now qualify as elderly, <laughs> though we don't think of ourselves that way. No, neither but do we're I. in that age group. Yeah. Uh, but I think the much deeper reason, Dan, for the irrational fears is the lack of the fear of God. Mm. Uh, in, in Jeremiah, God addresses the people of Israel, and I'm, uh, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have the Scripture open right in front of me, but basically he, his message to them in Jeremiah 5 is, look, 
you're you're afraid that your crops are going to fail. You're afraid of, of drought, or you're afraid of flood. You're afraid of all of these different things, and they're all environmental sorts of things. Uh, why are you afraid of those? Why are you not afraid of me? Oh yes. And his fundamental message is: if you fear me, then you don't have any reason, any need to fear anything else. Mm. And I, I think what we've seen in American society is a loss of the fear of God, a loss of the, the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. And if we're going to have wise responses to things like COVID or like international uh, geopolitical problems or anything else, if we're going to have wise responses, we need to have the fear of the Lord as the beginning of that wisdom. And I think, for the most part, uh, America has lost that. Mm. And so then we devolve into uh, professing ourselves to be wise, we become fools. And that's what Paul tells us in Romans 1. So uh, I just think, fundamentally, the the most important response that America America should have to COVID and to so many other things is simply to turn to God. And you know the, the the shepherds, the pastors of our churches, should be preaching law and gospel together, uh, because the law is what convicts us of sin, and it's when we're convicted of our sin that the Holy Spirit then uses that law to wake us up to our need of reconciliation with God, and that we find through the gospel mm. uh, that sinners like you and me and be reconciled to the Holy God by God's grace uh, through his gift of faith and repentance to us, our faith being in the Lord Jesus Christ, who died to pay the penalty for our sin and rose in victory over death uh, for our justification. Amen. So I I think really that's where we need to go back. And uh, Dan, that's why uh, several years ago I I put together, I, I produced a series of 22 lectures on the Ten Commandments, simply titled The Ten Commandments, um, on DVD. They're, you know, they're video lectures, and there is a, uh, uh, a study guide that goes with them that, uh, frankly, if somebody uh, views all the lectures and goes through everything in the study guide, uh, that's a seminary-level course in biblical ethics. Uh, and the whole thing is available uh, from the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation in our online store. Uh, so if folks just go to cornwallalliance.org and click on shop, they'll find that there. Oh, that's beautiful, yeah. Well, um, yeah, this this thing of spiritual deadness before God, the necessity of the new birth, and the, the reality of once we come to faith in Jesus Christ, it's it's a whole new life. It, it's wonderful. Um, it has a fresh um, fresh reality to me because I just came through a, a funeral. Uh, my aunt died, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. you know we, we found out that she died early last Saturday morning, and as we're recording this, it's Wednesday. She is now in the ground, and we had a, mm-hmm. a, a service of Christian burial, and uh, she dearly loved the Lord, and her whole family did. She was the last in the line, you know, of that generation of Elmendorfs. 
And um, it's sobering, but also joyous when you realize that every single one of the siblings, including her mom and her dad, uh, love the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. They're in the immediate presence of Christ, awaiting the final day when there will be a general resurrection. It's just a wonderful thing. And and a Pretty blessing, forward. yeah, it's a blessing to the people of God to think about such things. Yeah. So yeah. Um, anyway, it's very fresh to me. Now, you are an expert, <laughs> you have been an expert witness on theology, ethics, science, economics of climate change policy before the U.S. Senate Environment and Public Works Committee and the Energy and Environment Subcommittee of the U.S. House of Representatives Committee on Energy and Commerce, and the list goes on and on and on. I couldn't, I don't even know which one to pick to explain to people. But you know, Dan, what an expert is, right? You know, X is an unknown quantity, a spurt is a drip under pressure. (laughs) Or or an expert is anybody you pay to come more than 50 miles to tell you something. (laughs) Well, it's a blessing to have you on with us, and... uh, your your experience is, is broad. You were a former associate professor of historical theology and social ethics. Um, you, you taught before that at another college, and um, you now are the head of um, the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. And uh, I found out about you, I forget how, uh, some years ago, and it was refreshing to learn that your group exists. And um, there's a lot of... Um, hysteria, if, if for lack of a better word, um, yeah. about about this thing of climate change. We don't deny climate change. We we have an issue with the cause of it, how large or small it's going to be, yeah. and and whether um, these draconian measures that are trying to be placed upon us will really be effective in in. And, and does it even need to be fought? You know, that would be another question. So can you talk to us a little bit about um, your, your, the Cornwall Alliance and also some of, the, some, of the, some of the issues that you've seen come up in the past few years? Well, uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation is a network of just under 70 evangelical Christian scholars. Uh, About a third of them are natural scientists, uh, including some of the world's top climate scientists, by the way. So when we speak on climate change, we are speaking from people who have true expertise. Uh, About a third are economists, most of them uh, with special emphasis on either the environment or uh, development for the poor. And then about a third are, like myself, uh, theologians, philosophers, uh, ethicists, pastors, and so on. Um, And uh, in in my case, I get to kind of try to wear all three hats, because I read just voluminously in all those different fields, and then I get to have the fun of of, uh, pulling together the insights of the people of all those different specialties. So that's that's great. It's, It's wonderful mental delight for myself. Uh, and we, we work to educate the public and policymakers on three things uh, interrelated to each other. Uh, one is biblical earth stewardship, or what we call godly dominion, fulfilling the mandate of Genesis 1.28 to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over everything in it. 
And we would say that this really looks like men and women working in lovingly together uh, to enhance the fruitfulness and the beauty and the safety of the earth to the glory of God and the benefit of our neighbors, so that we're addressing the two great commandments, to love God and to love neighbor. Uh, the second area is uh, economic development, development for the very poor. What are the indispensable conditions for lifting and keeping any entire society out of poverty? And we're not just talking about an isolated family here or there or uh, a small pocket of wealth, but getting an entire society out of poverty. And we see both biblically and historically that there are five social institutions indispensable to that. Those are private property rights, entrepreneurship, uh, free trade, limited government, and the rule of law. And then we also see historically that there is a very fundamental material condition for that, and that is access to abundant, affordable, reliable energy. Uh, and most of that comes uh, historically from fossil fuels. And the sad thing is that a great deal of the environmental movement around the world uh, opposes all of those five uh, social institutions and opposes the use of fossil fuels. And what that means is that uh, much environmental activist agenda undermines the ability of whole societies to grow and stay out of poverty. So we want to uh, we want to provide a better way on those things, and then third, we want to educate people on the gospel of Jesus Christ and the biblical worldview, theology, and ethics that come along with that, and we intertwine all of those three together uh, the best we can. <laughs> so you know your your listeners, I mean that's that's all kind of a a, a big. Thing to, to work at, and I would just invite your listeners to come to cornwallalliance.org and read our many different articles there, follow us on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, we have, by the way, a, a live stream program on Tuesday evenings that uh, I think many of your listeners would enjoy. Uh, we have different experts on to talk about uh, current issues. So uh, I, I guess you also raised the, the whole issue of climate change. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, we certainly recognize that climate changes, and uh, indeed we agree that human activity probably is contributing significantly, significantly to that. Um, uh, our climate scientists, like Dr. Roy Spencer and Dr. David Lee Gates, uh, they would not be at all surprised if, Oh, roughly half, maybe even more, of the warming that we've seen since, say, 1960 has been caused by our use of fossil fuels and the carbon dioxide that we add to the atmosphere because of that. So we're not, you know, we're not climate deniers, we're not science no. deniers, something like that. Uh, but what we would argue is that... Um, really, there's no good reason to think that this is bringing about disaster and... Uh, indeed, the huge benefits that we get, not just from the energy that we get from fossil fuels, but also from the fertilizing effect that adding CO2 to the atmosphere has on all plants, uh, it's, it's tremendous. We're greening the earth, we're increasing crop yields, that's making more food available for not only all people, but <laughs> all the other animals on the earth. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is really good stuff, and we just don't see that this is some disaster lurking around the corner. And indeed, the idea that we should try to minimize that warming by reducing our use of fossil fuels, 
uh, is itself counterproductive because a clean, healthful, beautiful environment is a costly good, and wealthier people can afford more costly goods than, than poorer people. Well, fossil fuels lift people out of poverty. If you want people to take good care of their environments, you need to have them not poor. Uh, so we see this as as an issue where, uh, in, in many respects, people have become confused. And I think one of the best ways to illustrate that is just to point out there are really only two facts about the Paris Climate Agreement uh, into which uh, President Biden has uh, led us back uh, after President uh, Trump had taken us out. There are only really two things that we really need to know about the Paris Climate Agreement. The first is, what would it cost for every country that is signed on to it to fully implement all of the commitments that that country has made from now to the end of the century? The answer to that question is somewhere between 70 and $140 trillion. Mm. And then the next question is, and how much temperature reduction would be achieved by implementing all of those commitments? And the answer to that is roughly three-tenths of one degree Fahrenheit, which, by the way, is too small for us to know for sure that it's even happened. Wow. Because we cannot measure global temperature over long periods with that degree of accuracy. It's also way too small to have any effect on any ecosystem or on human well-being. And so what we're asked to do in the Paris Agreement, the world as a whole, is to spend $23.3 to $46.6 trillion per tenth of a degree Fahrenheit temperature reduction. I just think that's insane. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's well put. Today we're talking with Dr. E. Cal Beisner, and he's the head. He's, he's uh, of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation, founder and national please spokesman. Don't, please don't call me the head. I, uh, please don't call me the head. I'm in the midst of rereading C.S. Lewis's book, That Hideous Strength. And if you know the book, <laughs> you know that, uh, that the National Institute for Coordinated Experiments, the, the bad guys in this, have a disembodied head that they keep <laughs> sort of alive that, that yeah, they think is that's funny. Their, their new head. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, um, this thing of climate change strikes very near to home sometimes um, in my own area. And we live in the mid-Hudson Valley in New York State. There's mm-hmm. a project that's um, being driven from California that affects our very local area where they want to take land I want to build a couple of reservoirs and then pump from one reservoir to the other reservoir and once the water gets elevated and and, and then and yep. then release it in case they need the energy and I look at this and I just shake my head and I think why not take that money yep. and invest in a proper energy plant if you indeed need one that's reliable, yeah. that, that runs 24 by 7, that synchronizes all the time to the grid, not just some of the time, yeah. and can really help people. And I see that the, really it's, it's idiocy that, that goes on in the yeah. name of climate change. And I think the reason they want the project, of course, is because they, they need this large, quote-unquote, battery, because as renewables get online, they find out they're not reliable. Exactly. 
Yeah, I mean, and it's not simply because the sun isn't always shining. Uh, an average of 12 hours a day, it's not, wherever you happen to be. And, uh, in, in fact, minimum 12 hours a day on average. And, of course, you know, when it's cloudy, it's not. And it's not just that the wind isn't always blowing. It's that solar and uh, wind mechanisms for converting sunlight to energy or wind to usable energy those mechanisms are uh, much more expensive than the mechanisms for converting uh, coal or oil or natural gas to usable energy. Uh, they're much more expensive, and they take a whole lot more land. Yes. And this is uh, one of the one of the uh, sort of hidden dangers of all of this is that. Uh, in order to replace the energy that we now get from fossil fuels, we would have to cover over vast stretches of land with solar panels and wind turbines. And that would have a serious negative effect on biodiversity, mm -hmm. as well as, of course, just simply on, on environmental beauty. And to me, it's just uh, almost, uh, almost unfathomable that so many environmentalists have become champions of wind and solar when, in fact, those things are very bad for the environment. Yeah, I think it was somebody, a, a group um, on Long Island, where there was a proposal for you know wind turbines, and, of course, that got mm -hmm. turned down because people don't want those things in their backyards. Right. Or yeah. off their shore. <laughs> Uh, exactly. So uh, anyway, um, I like I like all forms of energy, but I don't like it when the government determines who is going to be the winner and who is going to be the loser, which is essentially what they're doing right now. Uh, we yeah. had a little pause in that for a while, but now it's like the the pedal is to the metal uh, in a way I've never yeah. seen before. I, I it's like yeah. it's got the feeling of insanity going on around us, and it, and it yeah. concerns me very frankly. Yeah. Um, it does. And, and Dan, we also are offering another resource from the Cornwall Alliance that can really help people to understand this stuff. It's a, a, a study called Mines, Minerals, and Renewable, uh, pardon me, Mines, Minerals, and quote-unquote green energy, a reality check. It's a tremendous study, and it shows uh, why the, the whole turn toward wind and solar is environmentally bad as well as economically bad. And through the end of this month of April, um, if anyone makes, uh, when anyone makes a, uh, a donation of literally any size, doesn't matter how small, to the Cornwall Alliance and requests it, we'll be glad to send them a free copy of this study. Uh, so to do that, people just go to cornwallalliance.org, click on the donate button, and as they fill out the donation form, when they come to the comments field, just enter mines, minerals, and uh, uh, green energy, and then promo code 21-04, and we'll be glad to send it to them. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, that would be nice to have. Well, um, we've got about two or three minutes left, and today we're talking with Dr. E. Calvin Beisner an interdisciplinary scholar specializing in the application of biblical worldview, theology, ethics to economics, environmental stewardship, etc., etc. And he is um, the founder and national spokesman of the Cornwall Alliance for the Stewardship of Creation. And 
Um, what is the web address of your group, Cal? CornwallAlliance.org. That's CornwallAlliance.org. Okay, got it. And one more question. <laughs> this you could talk about for hours. Um, have you experienced the cancel culture in the work you're you're working on right now? Well, I think we've experienced that going back before people started calling it the cancel culture. Yes. <laughs> uh, there are various groups that have attacked us online. Uh, you can you can find out how they do that at places like ExxonSecrets.org or or um, uh, let's see, the uh, Smog blog and things like that. And <laughs> they just they caricature who we are, what we do, what we think. They they accuse us of being in the pay of big oil. I wish. <laughs> I mean, that would be nice. Uh, but, you know, we're we're just not that way. So that kind of thing has been hurled at us for a long time, and, and uh, frankly, we're used to it. And we just go on doing our thing, and we use the best ways that we can to get information out to people, whether it's That's our, our uh, Facebook page, our YouTube channel, uh, our, our uh, free email newsletter that goes out two or three times a week, always educational, and... So the Lord, the Lord has blessed our work. He's given us lots of opportunities to speak for churches and schools and whatnot. And so, so I'm not worried about the cancel culture. Uh, and ultimately, it's canceling itself out. You know, those things always yeah. wind up devouring each other. I've noticed yeah. that too. That's a very good point. Yeah. I, I, I'm convinced it's it's suicidal at its base. Um, yeah. Well, we're at a time, um, one more time, your web address, should someone like to look you up and maybe get this uh, DVD series. Yeah, that's cornwallalliance.org, and the DVD series on the Ten Commandments is available under our shop tab, and uh, the free study, Mines, Minerals, and uh, Green Energy, is available uh, as our thanks when people make any size of 100% tax-deductible donation. Uh, just click on the Donate button, and when you get to the Comments field and filling out the donation form, just enter Mines, Minerals, and Green Energy, and promo code 21-04. I wish you were the... Um energy czar for the entire United States, but uh, I better not mention that because it sounds too much like the previous head comment. So, <laughs> Well, I would hate to be the energy czar for any place. I don't think we need energy czars. I think we need freedom. Uh, amen to that. You got me there. Dr. E. Calvin Beisner, my dear friend, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you, Dan. I uh, really appreciate the friendship and the cooperation in our mutual desire to promote the gospel of Christ and, and his rule over all the world. Amen. Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> 